on you guys. My name's Matt. And I'm Gabe. And welcome to another episode of the Tentacle Bot Podcast. And today we're doing something quite different from what we've done really uh, on any other episode of the podcast. And I'll honestly let Gabe just kind of intro it in. Yeah, so th- this is going to be the first time we're going to be doing this. But um, so happy Thanksgiving. Happy Black Friday. Hey. Uh, we're recording this on Thanksgiving and this will release tomorrow, which is Black Friday. And uh, just to be in the very, I would say the, the most perfect of spirits for the holidays <laughs> we're going to talk about black metal Let's for go. black metal friday <laughs> so why don't you tell there's a backstory as to kind of why you actually decided to, to do this yeah so years and years and years ago once upon a time in a land of green and filled with blue and i don't know i used to work at best buy and at best buy i had to work black fridays naturally yep. and i would have to be there roughly like around two to three o'clock p.m. on Thursday because they would open on Thursdays and I don't know, it was a dark time. Yeah. And so my way of getting back at the system was playing black metal for black metal Thursday. And and that was the whole running joke this year since most places aren't opening on Thursday it's going back to being actually Black Friday. Yeah. And I figured what way to most perfectly represent Black Friday but with black metal. It absolutely and, and so Matt and I have been terrorizing ourselves for about a about a week going into the deep black holes of black metal. Uh, I do want to set a few disclaimers ahead of time. There are many of these bands that are Norwegian, Finnish, or Swedish. We can't pronounce these words. We are terribly, terribly bad at pronunciation, especially when it comes to foreign words, because we are ignorant right Americans. So that is uh, to be of note. Also, Matt and I are nowhere near experts. We have just done our research on this, and we want to be able to provide kind of just a general consensus on what black metal is to the general population who might not be necessarily be familiar with it. Yeah. Uh, so that being said, if we get something wrong, I mean, you can blow, up, blow us up on the internet, but we won't really care. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, that'll be the uh, really all the disclaimers that I have for it. Um, also, I guess there, there is going to be some uh, instances of uh, violence and murder and death and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So just be aware of that. Yeah. But with that being said, Matt, why don't you go ahead and take us into wave one? What helped mold black metal? Yeah. So black metal really er- emerged in the early 1980s and with bands including Celtic Frost, Hellhammer, Bathory, and Venom. And really they were inspired a lot by thrash metal and some of the heavier styles of rock metal in the 70s. So what we ended up hearing and especially in these four bands is the quality of recording was a lot lower so where you would typically see much higher kind of like higher fidelity is these guys were just it was trying it was really underground and Mm -hmm. they were just a bunch of guys just hey on a really strict budget trying to record these songs, but they also wanted it to be very primal. It was just really raw and almost not really minimalist, but there, there is almost a minimalistic approach in a way. Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, things to note there as well is a lot of those, uh, what they're referred to, they're either referred to wave one or proto black metal. Um, a lot of that had to do with just kind of ways to push thrash and, and, heavy metal further mm-hmm. um another band to note was uh, merciful fate yep which uh is fronted by king diamond who also has his band king diamond which he's a very enigmatic character and i yeah. love him dearly um but like they weren't really the ones to 
forefront the sound so much as mm-hmm. it was like the the style of paint that King Diamond used, as well as like the high pitched vocals and stuff like yeah. that that he would use. Yeah, and black metal, uh, especially in the first wave, is it was a, a very aggressive vocal style. Um, in a way similar to that of thrash metal. But Bathory, what they ended up bringing that would end up actually having a huge effect on black metal later is this shrieking kind of vocal Mm -hmm. style. And like you said, Merciful Faded kind of just incorporating some of that. And this is also really for the first time that we see the use of corpse paint to give the aesthetic of dead bodies along with these really dark lyrics based on anti-christian themes very satanic themes and even that of stuff of the occult mm-hmm. um which if you look at bands who had done the kind of the face paint before like kiss they were singing about partying and sex and drugs and all this just rock and roll stuff these guys not only looked the part but they pretty much kind of like played the part and it wasn't so much like oh yeah we're but a bunch of occultists they were doing it more for shock value, mm-hmm. which, um, as a little bit of a teaser, is a very strong di- uh, separation from what the second wave of black metal would end up being. Yes and no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll, we'll get to that explanation yeah. in a minute. Um, yeah, before we wrap up Wave 1, a couple other things that I wanted to note. that um, Each of these bands, so Venom, Bathory, Merciful Fate, and uh, Hellhammer slash Celtic Frost, they all brought something different mm-hmm. that began to mold what black metal became, especially in its second wave. Mm-hmm. Venom uh, really is kind of noted as the biggest influence on all of them. Yeah. Uh, especially with their second album, Black Metal, which is the actual title. That's most likely where they got the name black metal from yeah from what i had seen that's what it was um, they had the speed they had the angst they had the satanic imagery they were one of the first bands to ever adopt the pentagram as their symbol mm-hmm. uh so there's that from venom bathory was the more kind of the sound of second wave black metal that we begin hearing a lot of the dissonance the tremolo picking and stuff like that mm-hmm. with the weird kind of back of the throat mongolian throat singing shriek yeah. kind of vocals uh, as well as uh, he was one man, which uh, became kind of a thing across the really the history of black metal uh, was that it was like one man projects and a lot of them. And yeah, we'll get to a few more of those here in a bit, too. Uh, and, and Merciful Fate, as we had said, had the corpse paint and the high pitch vocals and uh, Hellhammer slash Celtic Frost. Hellhammer was uh, I forget if it was like an EP or an, an album and then it was turned into Celtic Frost. But they kind of had a lot more like the dark, heavy, brooding lyrics and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I had actually uh, one of the really good uh, resource to kind of get some of this information was um, I know you and I had talked about it, Gabe, but the Metal Evolution documentary series that they had, I believe, was on VH1 years back. I believe that's correct. Yeah. Um, they actually ended up doing a Indiegogo um, campaign to raise money. So they were actually able to make the Extreme Metal episode. And they actually talked about the history. And they got to talk to various members of you know, Celtic Frost, Hellhammer, Venom, and everything like that. And Mantis, the I believe the guitar player for Venom, if my memory serves me correctly, explained in his interview in the Extreme Metal episode is... He, uh, based on my interpretation, the other members of the band as well, always had a little bit of an interest in the occult, wanting to really push that into into the music and just shock people. And there was just a lot of shock value that was kind of in that early, uh, early, early black metal. And again, there was that interest, but it wasn't just like we 
eat, breathe, and sleep a cult. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, from there, we go into the second wave. And the second wave was really, I, I would say, just kind of driven and forefronted by the band Mayhem. Mm -hmm. uh, so Mayhem is Mayhem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it was uh, comprised of a few different members. It, it was constantly rotating, but two of the uh, the biggest members that were coming out of Mayhem were their frontman Dead and the guitarist Euronymous. They both have Swedish names or Norwegian names. Mm -hmm. I can't say them, so I'm going to refer to them by their stage names as well as a variety of these other folks that we'll go into. And we'll we'll see that a lot in black metal. <laughs> is there's a lot of the band members that are going to go under these stage names, like like we had just seen Mantis. Uh, from Venom is another prime example of it. So this, and it's these almost off the wall names. I think there, like there was a member of a band. It was like Nocturno something. I can't remember. Nocturno Colto yes. and uh, Fenris from Dark Throne. Yep. Yeah, they're a part of Second Wave as well. I'll get to them. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. So in 1984, they uh, released the first album, Death Crush, uh, which kind of was the I guess the best way to put it would be just kind of like the centerpiece of what second wave black metal was supposed to be. Uh, so they were kind of the forefronts of it, and they became so big within that kind of a whole realm that they were really just kind of what everybody gathered to. Mm -hmm. So in the second wave, we also see uh, projects like Burzum, Emperor, Dark Throne, Satyricon, Gorgoroth, Dimu Borgir, as well as like Immortal and a bunch of other ones. Mm -hmm. But everything really centered around mayhem. Uh, so they were the first ones, uh, specifically Dead was the first one to use corpse paint in the way that it was really meant to be. It wasn't meant to be there for show like King Diamond or like Kiss was. It was to really give the impression that he was dead and decaying. Yeah. He would bury his clothes to give the indication that he was buried before the show. He would breathe in a, a crow's carcass to like the, the rotting carcass in a bag. He would breathe that in to gain inspiration. Everything about black metal is what Dead and Euronymous and these guys would do to live the part. And that's kind of where the big separation begins from the first wave proto-black metal into mm -hmm. the actual black metal. Yeah, and, and the, it, it's just a lot of what the second wave kind of started and you can see really in the in the fan base now is unfortunately this is really where black metal just became this elitist very cult metal subgenre this is where you start seeing people it's like black metal is not a genre it's a lifestyle like it, it, it's one of those kind of things very much so and um as well and we're going to definitely see that here coming into it in a minute uh, Euronymous opened up a record store and uh, it has a Swedish word, but the English translation is hell. And it was like Helvgut or something like that. Oh, I, I forget the exact translation to, I, I'm, I'm probably totally butchering this. I'm thinking it's Swedish, but I think pretty sure they're Norwegian yeah. actually. <laughs> Nonetheless, it has an English translation and that is hell, which is the, the record store that they had done that they kind of all revolved around. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that's also where Euronymous, Euronymous had his own, uh, a record label that okay. he would release a lot of these other bands on. Uh, uh, one thing to note here is um, Dead would also commit suicide here at some point in this timeline. I'm not exactly sure where because mm -hmm. dates are fuzzy. But uh, So he commits suicide in the house that all of Mayhem was sharing. Euronymous comes home, finds him, and instead of notifying the authorities right away, repositions the bodies, or repositions the body into a more, uh, as he put, pleasing 
image. It took the picture, and then yeah. uh, that was the picture that they used on their one of their live albums. And that image is very easy to find out. And yeah, it, it's it's not for the uh, light of heart. So no. I do recommend that if you do choose to look at it, don't. Yeah. No, <laughs> and honestly, that's that's definitely. I may have by accident seen the picture, but like that's definitely not something I'm going to go out of my way of because I, because I believe that incident is Ronimus ended up being sent to jail, uh, basically for murder, wasn't? No, no. Or am um, I thinking of a different? You were thinking band? of a different thing that I'll get into here in a second. Sick, sounds um, good. Yeah, so he did that. He also, it's rumored that he took pieces of the skull to make jewelry out of and give out to his inner, the inner slash black circle oh is what it was called. <laughs> and then supposedly, and this is really more urban legend than actually based in fact, but supposedly he had taken pieces of the bur- pieces of his brain to, to put into a soup and ate that. God. He really lived the black metal lifestyle, he, and he while definitely did. everything he did was bad, you can't. I know you can't fault him for. It. I can't even say that. Honestly, <laughs> like he's he pretty much makes every other black metal fan look like posers. Like, no, absolutely, <laughs> and and like that's kind of what it all becomes. Like everything around the second wave. Like if you are such a diehard black metalist and everything, it you just don't compare it to what the second wave did because right. not only all of that the second wave in the inner slash black circle is what they called it mm-hmm. um uh, of the uh, of the hell record store uh that was comprised of a few few specific people so that was comprised of like burzum uh emperor and uh, members of emperor and members of uh not dark throne uh, uh immortal okay uh, so it was comprised of members of that, and they were the ones who were responsible for approximately 50 church burnings uh, over the uh, the short amount of time that they were active. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I guess I can, I already brought up the Burzum here, so we'll go ahead and go into that. So that's the one that's known for murder. Okay. Okay. So Burzum used to be a part of Mayhem, came out and did his own stuff, and uh, he was one of the... Um, the solo artists mm-hmm. uh, that we saw, like uh, that was kind of like a, a span off of Bathory. Yeah. Uh, so he was one of the one mans. He was supposed to be signed on to Euronymous's label that he had created through the Hell Record store. And apparently, he claims that Euronymous uh, was talking to his closest friends, saying that he had plans to torture and kill. Varg Vikerns, who is Burzum. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he had plans to torture and kill him. So in response, he goes to his house to talk about the record label and ends up stabbing him something where like around like 37 times or something like that. Yeah. So Varg went to jail for that. Uh, he went to jail. The roughest sentence I think was like 20 years in Norway. Uh, he got out in 15 on good behavior. So he is currently out in the world now. Uh, he is also responsible. Oh yeah. He's also responsible for the very small, very terrible, full of people that I wish would just get kicked in the teeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, branch of third wave black metal that basically it's just a bunch of Nazis. Mm-hmm. Uh, he recanted on what he had said uh, previously. It was basically just like a bunch of really alt-right kind of uh, Naziist, fascist kind of stuff uh, that he was writing in jail. He came out and apologized for it, said that he was young and naive, didn't know what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't stop these idiots from getting out there. And that's why there's a, an unfortunate stigma around black metal that has to do with a lot of uh, fascism and these uh, SS people, basically. Mm-hmm. So don't be don't be one of them. They're bad yeah. people and they all deserve to get a kick in the teeth. 
Can confirm. <laughs> um, also, Burzum or, or Varg Vickerns was uh, one of the uh, church burners. Uh, and I'm just going to kind of go down the my list here of other second wave black metal bands uh, before we kind of continue on here. Uh, so there, I mentioned Immortal or, earlier who has a bath, which is kind of, they're one of more of the, I would say, recognizable mm-hmm. black metal bands, just in like their appearance and look. Mm-hmm. They had the um, the very distinct corpse paint where it was kind of like the big black triangles on the sides of the face with the white down the middle. Yeah. Having the weird like shin guard spiky bits and everything like that. So th- th- there's a... a <laughs> If you look at pictures of Immortal, you're going to be like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah, I know who that is now. Well, and so this is this is also, so especially because of Norwegian black metal, is because of the, when you look at nature in Norway, is it almost has this, like, fantasy look to it. It's just this, these deep forests and just all this stuff. They were taking some of that and, like, incorporating it into the music videos. So, like, all these shin guards and the mm-hmm. outfits they had, they looked like they were trying to be a power metal band, except just angry. So, like, just that, like, almost over-the-top look. And this is really where the the atmosphere or the building of that atmosphere came to be pretty just so far pushed to the front. They were... They weren't really trying to write technical music like a lot of other di- different metal styles. These guys were going for a certain atmosphere. They, they were focused. It, so one of the, I, I guess I probably should have brought this up at the top of the show, but one of the big differences of black metal and its counterparts like death metal and thrash metal was that exactly that desire more for the atmosphere, for the feeling, for the emotion of it, mm-hmm. instead of the technicality and just the lack of show i guess yeah. would be the best way to put it of death metal and of, of thrash yeah. metal so like this is, it's very atmospheric and in a way almost theatrical because they're you know there's this like and theatrical is not the right word be i mean you look at these guys and I like mean, it kind of is it, it, yeah because like you look at thrash metal bands metallica for instance it's four dudes just going up on stage just ripping sick riffs you go and you look at death metal and it's four to five dudes just sitting there ripping really, really fast music. And then you go over to black metal and it's these dudes just painted up. And there's, you know, these big, almost extravagant looking kind of set pieces that they're using for these shows. Um, in the second wave, you had brought up one of the bands, but another one I want to throw in is cradle of filth. Mm. And these two are, they're both part of second wave, but in a way almost are, Uh, separate from the rest of the second wave because what they were doing is they were creating it almost had this little bit more of like a symphonic element to it and Dimu Borgir was one of the first bands to incorporate synthesizers in black metal so it adds this very grandiose sound to what's already this kind of dark kind of dreary sound so it's it's almost a contrast that seems to work really well cradle of filth ends up being more it's a more palatable black metal Mm -hmm. which a lot of the the true cult people really weren't a fan of because like it's not underground it's it's big and popular that's not what it's supposed to be it's supposed to be underground it's supposed to be gross mm-hmm. yeah it, it was supposed to have 
sounds like it was recorded on a broken cassette. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to have these grainy, disgusting filters because they hated the style of black metal album covers. Yeah. Or sorry, excuse me, death metal album covers. Um, they hated the the fact that these guys would just get up there in camo shorts. Mm-hmm. They just wanted to see everything to be as heavy and brooding and really about image. And then the music came second to the image. Yeah. And yeah, like I don't, I don't really have any other way to put it. There, like, yeah, they they were focused on the image and the feeling and the emotion behind what they were portraying, mm-hmm. and then the music came as a product of that. Yeah, and, and I think there was there was an aspect of black metal was kind of in contrast to death metal in a way because d- death metal and black metal did kind of start around the same time, or at least the the groundwork was definitely laying for both styles is the black metal artist kind of looked at death metal and it's like no this is they're just like they're just playing fast to play fast like there's nothing there's nothing really behind it the the, the focus was on the technicality instead mm. of the emotion exactly and, and then that was a really big driving force between the separation between the two yep the other thing um just i, I don't mean to kind of interrupt you oh, you're good with second wave this is also it, it's a very Again, this is just where black metal as we know it just became what it was. Look up, and I can't remember the name of the album. You may actually know this, but there's a Dark Throne album, and it's one of the most famous album covers. Transylvania Hunger. Yep. And it's just this dude in corpse paint, and it's just this terrible, grainy photo, and that's the album cover. And that's exactly what black metal bands were doing. It was just this dude in the dark woods this grainy photo and that's the album cover it's just so minimalistic and just spooky yeah well, when i said at the top of the show that we went down the holes of black metal oh my god we went down the holes of black metal <laughs> <laughs> we um, did it's uh rounding out uh second wave here a couple other things that i want to mention um emperor one of its members faust who also has a name that i can't pronounce uh he is also a murderer um he just some guy came up drunk, set in. Faust said that he was definitely gay and looking for something, and so he decided to take him into the woods and kill him. That's yeah. To quote Letterkenny, I don't think that's PC, bro. No, it's not. <laughs> so there's the that murder, the murder of Euronymous by Varg Vikerns, and then all the church burnings really kind of portrayed black metal to be this terrible horrible thing to the to the media and that that's how they gained media coverage was by the actual shock value of what their actions were yeah. instead of what they did on stage and that's kind of where a lot of the um the true black metal kind of comes into play it's not something that i recommend don't go down committing arson don't go down committing murder go down fighting the establishment by protecting the whales or something punk rock. anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i'm a punk at heart um, so anyway, uh, Eson is also somebody we mentioned here before on the podcast. Eson is the frontman of Emperor, and he was the uh, one of the. He he does like a lot of uh, I'm totally blanking on it. The symphonic stuff that's incorporated a lot mm-hmm. of most recently he was uh, a part of uh, Trivium's last album because both Eson and Matt Hafey are extremely good friends. Oh, that's awesome! And so he was the one who had done the um, the orchestral parts of that album. Really, which is Dude, that's super cool. So dope. Um, so he's a he's a genius. The rest of the members of Emperor aren't really great guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, Faust was Faust, and I forget the other member. Um, they were also a part of those church burnings. Dark Throne uh, notably has not really had any trouble running into the law, except for mm-hmm. like one arrest, but that was like part of a protest. It doesn't really count. Um, but that is composed of Fenris and Nocturno Colto. Uh, they're pretty good guys, honestly. Yeah. One of them's elected to city council at this point. <laughs> good for him, man. Um, 
I mentioned these guys earlier, Satyricon and Gorgoroth. They weren't really a part of that initial second wave, but mm-hmm. they were, I, I would say, more in between the second and third wave. Yeah. Where they weren't really, they, they weren't a part of any of the activities and the things that were going on within that inner circle and the black circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were still notable enough, and they're still both really good bands that I would recommend checking out, especially if you're looking to get into second wave without getting into some of the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I think it, it's a little bit more palatable, I guess would be the best way to put it. Even um like early behemoth is kind of mm-hmm. kind of wedged in like second wave but a little bit of third wave um and it's they've kind of kind of fluctuated around in their sound but like early behemoth is pretty pretty strong in the actual black metal itself correct and then uh, last but not least uh you mentioned this before but demi borgir deserves another mention here mm-hmm. um both of them and emperors emperor were purveyors of really symphonic black metal which kind of became its own genre afterwards yeah. here in the third wave that we'll go into in just a moment uh they were not really considered they are not considered black metal apparently really anymore by mm-hmm. true black metal elitists but their roots are undeniable and i, yeah. I feel like that's just worth mentioning here they, yeah, were, they were still a part of like that main second wave do you i don't I'm, i was trying to remember this and i wasn't able to find any information but i recall for some reason is demu borgir was in some hot water for a while about something that one of the members had done. D- did you find anything on that? I'm sure it was mentioned in some of my research. However, I just don't remember it because there's so much hot water that these guys were in. <laughs> yeah, honestly, there there really is. Uh, oh, um, I was funny enough. I was actually I was actually looking up black metal stuff. Uh, I found out that some kid burned. I think actually burned down either a church or just some building, and apparently was a black metal fan. So guess what I found in that article the history of black metal (laughs) so this is neat yeah no it's unfortunate now the main church burnings that were happened that were like the 50 churches or so in norway Mm -hmm. like that was the big ones but still from time to time there are some true black metal elitists that'll go down and burn a building or burn down a church or something like that it pops up in the news every once in a while at least every couple years (laughs) people not making good choices man precisely uh then from there we go into dark or to dark wave wave three of black metal which is kind of really the era that we're in now Mm -hmm. wave three is really constituted by the I would say variety pack of black metal uh, because we have so many different modes and explorations of what of what new wave black or second wave black metal was mm-hmm. uh, things like black and death metal. We have folk black metal, atmospheric black metal, symphonic black metal, uh, Norwegian DS- black, Norwegian black versus Swedish black. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's DSBM, which stands for depressive suicidal black metal, which is exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, yeah, all, all these bands, they all all these different subgenres, they have a variety of bands that will be falling underneath them that are more palatable than second wave and more accessible in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And then some of them are just utterly terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, things to note here. Uh, so Matt mentioned Behemoth. They're honestly one of my favorite bands that would really come out of this. They're solid. Like, uh, you actually were the one who ended up kind of really... It was a combination of you and my roommate that really got me hooked onto them. It was... Um, Oh, father of Satan, no son. Yes. Like, do it just hits different. And I'm like, this is actually really good. Yeah, the, the entire album from, I think it was 2013 or 2014, The Satanist by Behemoth, is mm-hmm. one of the best albums ever it's recorded. So, like, I would definitely recommend, and 
it's not black metal in its purest form. Like mm-hmm. there's definitely like the black metal I- influence, but it, it's it definitely has a little so bit more. So many different elements to it. Yeah, and, and it, it is truly you just have a work to experience. of art. Yeah, it, it's truly a work of art. I I cannot sing this album's praise enough. Um, I just you have to go listen to it, and you have to listen beyond just the sounds that it'll create. You'll just have to really just be intentional on listening to it. It yeah. is my best recommendation for that album. Um, other things to note, Dark Funeral is kind of one of the purveyors in the third wave that still sounds like second wave. So if you want something that's a little bit more polished but still sounds like second wave stuff does, mm-hmm. Dark Funeral and uh, it, uh, I think it was... No, just kidding. Uh, so Dark Funeral is a, a really big purveyor. I know there's more out there. It's just like one of the bigger names. Yeah. Um, as far as depressive suicidal black metal goes... Uh, it's really inspired by Second Wave, especially um, the albums De Mysterious Dom Satanas by Mayhem and Viva La Satoros. I'm definitely pronouncing these wrong because I know I wrote them down wrong <laughs> because I wrote them down phonetically or like how it sounded when the guy in the video was talking about it. And I okay. know that this is not because I wrote this in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Viva La Satoros is done by Burzum. Both of those uh, had really more of that kind of uh, the DSBM uh, lyrical style, and that's really kind of the fall into that they go in. Right. So instead of having the occult and, and satanic imagery, they really fall into more just misanthropic and, and really depressive kind of mm-hmm. lyrical content. Um, both of these bands, uh, two, two bands that would encompass this are going to be bands like Leviathan and uh, Zaster. I have no idea how to spell Zaster. It looked like an X, but I can't read these logos, man. <laughs> Honestly, like black metal and death metal and grindcore and all the stuff that's kind of stemmed off of those three, you're you're just in for a bad time. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're in for a headache if you try and read any of this. Yeah. Um, atmospheric black metal. I don't really have any uh, specific recommendations on that one. Like, just look up atmosphere black metal, and you're gonna find easily like three hundred dollars worth of music oh and, ab- and th- that that's just uh, off of a quick google search <laughs> yeah and so and you, as you were talking about some various different um you know subgenres that have kind of come out kind of in the in the third wave is you brought up like the black and death metal we've also seen even now black and death core with to go back to bands we've talked to you about here on the podcast carnifex and lorna shore mm-hmm. so we we're seeing and in, in those situations Carnifex a little bit more than Lorna Shore, but we see some bands are doing kind of corpse paint kind of look. So more on the Carnifex side or in Lorna Shore side is they're they're bringing a lot of the technicality from Deathcore, but they're also still able to bring in the atmospheric kind of bringing in that really dark eerie uh rawness but also like the symphonic elements that we also get and they're just kind of bringing that all together into one piece so the aesthetic itself really it it was technically already done before with bands like kiss and uh, and marilyn manson but they they ended up kind of finding a way to use that paint to express a different image and kind of tell a different story. They use it to define the genre instead of just being a gimmick for them. Mm -hmm. It 
while while being a gimmick, it was still just kind of more of a definition of them. Yeah, like you weren't black metal unless you had the corpse paint, unless you had the terrible sounds, and you had the terrible grainy pictures. Oh, let's record the guitars, but we're going to use a bass on a really bad speaker. Do 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 do. Yep, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, and it's the the fact that the the genre itself has had such an impact in on metal as a whole is really cool to see and especially after after finding the you know a lot of this information about black metal and kind of seeing it's like oh that's why they're doing that mm-hmm. oh that's the black oh like you, you start kind of understanding a little bit deeper and just kind of seeing like the elements of it and these these different places and i i had to I thought it was pretty neat. Absolutely. Uh, a few other notables to mention here. Um, there is folk black metal. Uh, Ulver, which is from Norway. That's U-L-V-E-R, because I mm-hmm. could read that one. Uh, and then uh, Panopticon, which is uh, U.S. based, and he incorporates like a lot of bluegrass into okay. his style. Which is, that's it, actually really it's neat. It's super neat. It sounds terrible, but it's super neat. Because I, th- <laughs> I think Ulver's the same band that my roommate was actually showing me, and it was just like... Oh, this is a folk song. Oh, and that was a black metal. Yeah, and yeah, it, it, it's just like a lot of drastic. Chant. And I'm like, this is really cool. Man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we mentioned symphonic black metal earlier that was inspired by Emperor and Demu Borgir. Mm-hmm. There's 101 different versions of those. 100%. We see that in symphonic death metal, symphonic black metal, symphonic black and death metal. And th- there, there's a variety of just symphony incorporated and orchestral yeah. incorporated stuff. Uh, you can find that. It's a dime a dozen. And then um, the last thing really to talk about when it comes to third wave stuff is going to be post-black metal or what's often called black gaze. Uh, so most notably, this would be a band like Death Heaven, yeah, uh, which kind of incorporates more just kind of like the shoegaze. Everything is really more lacrimose instead of uh, instead of angry or evil. Mm-hmm. Um, so Death Heaven is the biggest one of that. Uh, there's also Alcest and Amasaur. I'm. Pr- I think I'm saying those right. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, metal elitists hate this stuff. They think it's hipster black metal or it's happy black metal. Yeah. Honestly, if you like it, it's for you. If you don't, get away. Okay. Nobody yeah. needs that kind of hate. Um, I personally, I like Death Death Heaven a lot. Um, Sunbather was a fantastic record, and yeah, that I just I recommend it. It's it's cool stuff. So here's the big question. What's your overall opinion on black metal itself? I would say that I, especially after doing the research and the listening for this podcast, I have a greater respect than I did for it. I always had a respect for it because it's something that inspired so much of the music that I currently listen to mm-hmm. because I really do like those black and death core styles and those black metal influence styles. Yeah. Whereas the... The sound quality is usually what drives me away from it. It's the same issue that I have a lot with DIY punk mm-hmm. is the sound quality prevents me from enjoying it to the fullest extent. Yeah. If the sound quality on these guys were a lot better, it wasn't so grainy. It wasn't so distorted. It wasn't so sounds like they have three HM twos plugged into each other and turned up to 10. <laughs> I think I would like this a yeah. lot more. Um, the black metal vocal styles, there, there's a variety of them that range anywhere between like back of the throat Mongolian throat singing mm-hmm. with screeches to just straight on cult screams. And I love the variety on the vocals on it. I love the speed of the drums, the speed of the guitars, the different weird dissonant things, the symphonic elements that they incorporate, the atmosphere of it. I love it all. Just the unfortunate nature of my personal enjoyment of things that are going to be a lot more polished and clean. Yeah. That being said, 
honestly, if I were to give Black Metal a technical rating, I'd give it a five. Okay. Just as a whole. That's that's fair. So honestly, you and I are pretty pretty much in the same boat. Is I but going into this is I had listened to a number of different black metal artists. I I couldn't tell you exactly who or what I had listened to in that, but because of how lo-fi it is like as, as i've talked about on the podcast i'm kind of a geek for listening to instrumentals just because it's it, it's stuff to digest i mean if you look at my top favorite bands a lot of them are extremely riff driven lamb of god bless the fall um metallica even to uh, some extent Whitechapel. also just so i can throw in the beef in here and make sure that we at least have one argument in this podcast iron maiden still better than metallica continue <laughs> <laughs> um so, like, as I'm listening to this just really grungy, grainy nonsense, I'm like, I don't, re- like, I what's what's the point? It just sounds like you're literally, it, it sounded, it, to, to my un, um, untrained ears, if you will, mm-hmm. it, is it was just noise. But after doing the research and kind of digging into the influences for some of these bands and kind of understanding what the roots were, where they came from is I started to really kind of find a charm in what they were doing. And it's Mm -hmm. not, it's not my favorite branch of the, the bigger metal theme or the bigger metal tree, but because as you said is the influence that it has had on bands that I listen to now has is very much seen and I have to give it I have to I have to respect what it's done and if I had to give it a tentacle rating I'd probably put it I'd probably put it about a four and I think I'm gonna kind of um not not really use this as like throwing shade because unfortunately it's just what's happened but the 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 cultists and like the true elitists in in the genre just really really ruin it f- and like people are going and like murdering each other to be black metal <laughs> and they're burning churches to be black metal like guys come on yeah exactly and like it, there there was a story that blew up a few years ago um, where some guy killed a member of a black metal band because he wasn't true cult and he wasn't a true satanist and like. That kind of stuff is overboard, no matter what genre you're in, yeah. whether it's black metal or even if like you're one of those people who is just a diehard Bieber fan or something like that. Like that, that kind of gatekeeping is not okay. No. Obviously, even to especially not extremes like murder and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but just like that kind of gatekeeping to prevent people from getting into it because they can't understand it or you won't allow them to be able to enjoy music in the way that they want. Um, that's just, that kind of stuff isn't cool. Dude, and I think metal is the the genre of music that gatekeeps the hardest. Absolutely, it does. And I hate it because it doesn't matter where you're at. Like, unless you're just like one of the scene metalcore kids who doesn't really understand how to gatekeep yet. Like, if you were trying to get into thrash metal, there's the gatekeepers there. Yep. Death metal, we're gatekeepers of deathcore kids. Mm-hmm. The obviously black metal is a huge gatekeeper. Baby metal black fans metal are the worst. <laughs> black metal itself is a gate. Also, yes. <laughs> Baby metal fans themselves are the worst. That sounds terrifying. Oh, yeah. No, it, it is terrible. When you have just like these 40-year-old dudes like defending these little Japanese girls with their lives, like they're ready to get in fights over the fact that you say that you don't like them. <laughs> Dude, okay. So completely sidetracking. Um, 
discovered recently and actually like actually dug into a little bit of k-pop it actually slaps but that's a conversation for another episode <laughs> anyway <laughs> you know since we're on kind of a similar tangent but cool well, i'm gonna whip the steering wheel back on track and i'm gonna good. go ahead and say that we're gonna be finished up talking mostly about black metal at this point and we're gonna go ahead and move into our hidden track uh matt why don't you go ahead and start us off today so as of yesterday, um, at, at time of recording, this episode is Of Mice and Men dropped a new song called Echo. Oh. And it's not the the best song that I've ever heard by Of Mice and Men, but what we're really seeing is kind of what Of Mice and Men is starting to lean into. In a way, it's very architectural-esque where... They're trying to take any of the heavier portions that they have and really just make it heavier than it's ever been. But in the choruses and the much lighter material, so a lot more of like the clean vocal um, focus stuff, mm-hmm. is they're really starting to kind of kind of build that grandioseness to it. So similar to the Architects record that we did a review for, where it seemed like every chorus was just this big just fill a room kind of chorus is that's kind of what of mice and men is bringing. I'm pretty excited for the new material. Uh, from my understanding is this record that's coming out. I believe the date I had seen was December 3rd, along with an EP that they released last year was all kind of recorded together or kind of written all together. And it's just been, been released in two separate chunks and it's, I'm actually really excited to hear the the rest of the material coming out. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to talk about. Hey, Gabe. Hey, Matt. Remember Spirit Box? I do remember Spirit Box. Do you remember how obsessed I was with Spirit Box? I do remember how obsessed you were with Spirit Box. I found a new Spirit Box. Oh? It's Dayseeker. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, guys, I'm... So, backstory on this one from my <laughs> angle here. Uh, we were back when Matt and I were both working crazy jobs and doing these weird back and forth things where we were trying to do two uh, episodes a week and it just was not working for us. Yeah. There was a week where like, uh, it ended up just not happening and we were supposed to do the, uh, the deluxe edition of the new day or newest day seeker album, uh, which is sleep, sleep talk. And I sent it to Matt and I was like, Hey man, this is a really good album. You should totally check it out. These guys are super cool. I expected Matt to enjoy it. I did not expect Matt to basically become a fangirl overnight for these guys. It, you may continue now, Matt, but I just, I, I was not ready for this. Dude, like, and it's, I don't know what it is, man. But Rory, I don't know who blessed you with the vocal cords you have, but it's like putting a hot knife through butter. And I actually, so part of the what really dug me down this rabbit hole is I was actually listening to Sleep Talk, and I was just jamming. I was like, you know, I don't want to burn myself out on burn myself out on this record. I'm gonna go and listen to their old stuff. So I found the deluxe edition of Origin. Dog, oh my god! So if you guys haven't listened to the sleep talk deluxe edition is um, I definitely recommend it. But if you go back to origin, you're going to get punched in the face. Like it, it, it lyrically is it's rough. Um, just as kind of a spoiler is they've got the main, the main record itself. And the last song on the, the base record is called never see the sunrise. It's 
it's not from Rory's perspective. Um, from my understanding, it's somebody close to him who unfortunately had to bury their child before she ever had the chance to essentially open her eyes. So um, I'm not sure if it was a situation of like a miscarriage or just a, a, a mishap that happened during the birth of the child. But ooh, it, it hits. They also include, if I recall correctly, four reimaginings. Um, and I, one of them was a little bit more of an acoustic kind of approach as opposed to what we see a lot of, like the more kind of poppy EDM kind of R&B kind of approach. Uh, and then we actually get two covers by the band. Uh, they do Hello by Adele, which Rory doing the verses on that song is unbelievable. It mm, feels fast. And then the last song that you'll find is their cover of Jealous by Nick Jonas. I wasn't really a big fan of the cover itself, but I definitely do have to respect the band for kind of jumping out into into that and kind of trying that song. It just personally, I didn't find a, find it was a good fit. Fair enough. This week for me, I have got the new EP by Stillbirth called Strain of Gods, and. Uh, so th- this kind of just still falls into the black and death metal kind of thing. I've been on a really big heavy kick lately for me. And so these guys came up as a uh, as a new EP on my uh, Apple Music Recommended. And so I checked it out. And oh my god, these guys are heavy. Hey. It's stupid heavy. I love it so much. And <laughs> I can't with this album cover. It's the band members in a van running over zombies with like palm trees, a shark eating somebody. And waves and and stuff in the background. Like I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and show this to you, Matt. Oh my <laughs> god! So if you look up this band for only this album cover alone, I recommend it. It is fantastic. That's that's a shirtless woman smoking. That's fantastic. <laughs> I think that might be my favorite album cover I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it, the, the the part where the shark is eating the person and the waves behind him really gets it for me. The the whole thing's fantastic. Uh, also, yes, like it, it's just phenomenal. But that being said, the EP itself is phenomenal. I really do recommend checking it out. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really have anything more to say to that because I've only listened to it once through so far. But I'm gonna be listening to it more. What based on just what you're where you're at right now, just going specifically off of the one listen, if you had to give it a tentacle rating, six out of eight. Oh, we got some. I might just have to listen to that on my way to my parents. Uh, well, with that being said, that is going to bring the album or the uh, the show to a close here. We're not even talking about an album today. <laughs> we were talking about a few albums. Yeah, we were talking about an entire genre spanning over the course of forty years. Yes, there uh, is. So that being said, we do appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to us and checking us out. We also appreciate it if you like, rate, subscribe, and comment on anything that you see from us. Uh, that whether that be on iTunes, Spotify, Apple. Apple Music, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, really wherever that you're able to listen to podcasts, you should be able to find us at this point. Uh, We are also available on a variety of social medias. We are on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Maybe Twitter? I don't know. We'll figure it out. I'm going back and forth on it still. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, dude, we should just flip a coin and just whichever one... We're going to flip a coin. Yeah, that's not a bad call. But uh, yeah, with that being said, uh, we are going to be doing the new Scion record that'll be uh, coming out tomorrow. We're going to be talking about that one next week, so do stay in tone. Stay in tune with that one, uh, (laughs) because 
that's going to be a good record. I'm I'm been really hyped on this one and for this a while. This one's going to be insane. So for those of you who may not know, it's Howard Jones, who was formerly of Killswitch Engage and is also currently with Light the Torch, mm-hmm. um, which we actually did a review of their record. Go check it out. And Jared Dines, the YouTuber who's done. Uh, for a lot of, for a long time, was just very meme like, metal videos and is kind of, kind of pushed into a little bit less of the meme, but he's all, he's kind of trying to be a more respected musician. Mm-hmm. He's really trying to kind of lean into that. The two songs they've put out so far. Phenomenal. Unbelievable. Phenomenal. Oh my God. <laughs> like, I, more than just myself, I've been just absolutely hooked on and we're going to get to break that down, but you guys are just going to have to wait a week. And until then, we'll catch you then. See you later. Thanks for listening to Two Idiots Talk About Things. Hey, yo. <laughs>